Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Steve Lowe is a South African musician and singer-songwriter who specializes in album rock, blues rock, country rock, and Americana music. He has been an active musician since 1981, performing with numerous bands, most notably Blue Sky. As a solo artist, he's continued to record music, release albums, and tour the world. He was inducted in the South African Rock Hall of Fame in 2003. Up next on Slebsavant, we've got Steve Lowe. Steve, thank you so much for your time today. So starting off, where do we find you in the world? What's happening in your life and how are you doing? I'm doing great. I've got an album coming out. Yes. I've got a single out at the moment and another one coming out. Lovely. And you're based in Cape Town, Johannesburg, correct? Cape Town. Yeah, I'm in Cape Town. Cape Town, Cape Town. Not Cape, Town. <laughs> Cape Town, South Africa, I meant to say. Steve, let's take it to all the all the way to the very beginning. How you got into the music business from just out of or in school or in varsity. Tell us your musical journey in a hybrid nutshell, so to speak. Well, I started off at school. I formed a band in the 60s called Atlantic Rose when I was at school with a couple of buddies. And I kind of carried on. I did a solo thing at university. And then with guys I met at Stellenbosch, we formed a band in the early 80s called All Night Radio. And we did two albums and toured uh, from 83 to 86. And then I formed a new band. That band broke up and I formed a new band, uh, made an album called Waiting for the Dawn in 89 it was released in 1990 and i did that with a band called big sky and we did five albums between 1990 and 2005 and oh, now 2008 and we did a dvd in 2010 i think and then um i made an album in 2020 which was released in 2021 called headlight dreams and i've just done a new album now which is called thunder and rain so that's it i've recorded i don't know about nine albums let's take it all the way back back to the 80s what was it like performing and touring in apartheid south africa well it was weird because uh, you know a segregated society probably the greatest show that we did was the concert in the park in 1985 which was the first multiracial concert in south africa yes and with such a beautiful experience um you know ellis park takes seventy thousand people when it's full there were 110,000 people there and it was incredible um the two bands that really stand out were jaluka uh with johnny clegg and sipo yeah. and i mean the place they really held that 110,000 people in the palm of their hand. And the other great act was Lucky Dube. And yes. one just saw the, the power of music to heal, to bridge divides, to bring people together. And you just realized what a connection everybody has through music. You know, I mean, a guy who just, I can remember him clearly just looking at me and grabbing me when Lucky Dube played and said, I love this man. You know what I mean? It was just, it was such a beautiful experience. It gave you hope for the future and, you know, democracy came. But I would say the concert in the park was such a great event and it showed one that music is a great bridge and a great healing force in the world. Is it, you know, you're so right. You can put on a, a song and so many different types and i hate you know hate the word labels you know because you know people tend to label themselves but so many labeled type people connect with the song and yet in the gist of the reality of the world 
they supposedly hate each other in inverted commas because of what society yeah, yeah. or culture or religion says. So I absolutely, I totally agree with you. And to be united in that space, it must have been very powerful and unifying. Yeah, and music is so much more ancient than politics. You know, politics is a is a new thing. It's a new concept. And music is must be millions of years old. You know, yep. nature is just filled with music. You know, a- animals are singing to each other all yep. the time, whether it's whales singing 160 verses of a different song, uh, elephants with so many notes, birds it's nature the world is is full of music at all times it's very very ancient all this other stuff is very very new (laughs) (laughs) and brought in by humans (laughs) yeah exactly it's our way of you know trying to order society but music is a much better way i love that now you originally you were collaborating or creating or releasing music the band's big sky and your earlier band you're now releasing solo music. What is the difference between collaborating or releasing or working with a band compared to working singularly in a solo environment? Well, with a band, you you kind of choose your bandmates and you must have the same concept as to what kind of music you want to make. I was always the songwriter in All Night Radio and that was a band and they were great musicians, but they weren't songwriters and they were happy for me to write the music. And then it's basically the performance of the music and recording it and performing it live. Working on your solo projects and Big Sky was a loose concept where it was me with musicians that I would, a a revolving cast of musicians, both for live work and for studios. It wasn't a band as such. I just used the name Big Sky. You get to choose the musicians. You don't have to be bonded. Your lives don't have to be bonded together. Your social lives, you're not living in everybody's pockets. So there's a certain freedom to that. You can still have your own life and you can realize your musical vision. Why the name Big Sky? Though? What inspired that name? It. I just liked, you know, I always thought of South Africa as, you know, the, the space of the Karoo and the wide open spaces and the big blue sky. And it's, I just like the word sky and big and sky. I just like the concept of, of space and space across music and space across time. And I just like the sound of it. You know, just understanding. So, you know, you, you release this big sky more as yourself with a revolving door of artists or musicians. And now you're releasing the solo stuff. A couple of questions. Why wasn't a, a Steve Lowe at that time just yourself? And why now Steve Lowe? I don't really know. No, maybe it was a transition from all night radio to wanting another band and to, to wanting to hide behind a band name rather than, putting myself out so okay. if you look at johnny clegg it was javuka jaluka and then yeah. savuka and then he just thought well it's actually my concept it's johnny clegg so i suppose it's similar there um you i kind of grew up in the concept of bands and band names rather than solo artists you know the solo artists were the great singers whatever you know sam cook or elvis um but then i never saw myself as a solo artist i always saw myself as a member of a collective and i suppose now i've got older and it's like well it's me (laughs) (laughs) just you yes (laughs) maybe have enough confidence now to go by my name and not hide behind a bad name (laughs) you say hiding in inverted commas but being known as a band compared to being yourself there's some form of anonymity with that because it's like oh it's a band it's a whole 
array of different people is not really an individual's name. And there's some form of protection around that. And I mean, these days, you know, Big Sky was around pre-social media. And what are your thoughts around social media? Well, I'm not very involved in social media. And um, when I made the album Headlight Dreams, I never realized that, you know, record labels or people going to put the stuff out said, but you're like a ghost, you know. What are your social numbers? I'm like, what is that? And, you know, I didn't really know. Um, I don't have a social media presence or a very small one. I have people that help me with that. But it's, I think it can tend to dominate your life. I like to try and stay away from it. It's interesting because now that has become or the general person's way of sort of hiding in the sense that would they say those things or tweet those things or comment on those things in real life if that person was standing in front of them? I don't think so, because it gives them a wall or a barrier or protection that they can say, ah, I can say this, I can do this, and there won't be any repercussions or results from it. But now with this cancel culture, that's allowing, you know, some people to feel the consequences and accountability of their voices and words, not always to the greatest of way, but it's, yeah, it's interesting because pre-social media, you had sort of in inverted commas, you were hiding in the, you know, not really hiding, but you had the band as a front. And now when social media is out there, you going out there and being yourself. So it's a, <laughs> it's a bit of a, a interesting way of rolling out your career. Yeah. I mean, what I want to say, I'm very happy to say through my music. Okay. Uh, I don't really want to comment about my daily life or say cute things or make <laughs> interesting comments uh, that yeah. any, anything that I've got to say, I'm very happy to say through my music. Yeah. Um, I do understand that social media is a very powerful marketing tool, but um, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. I totally agree with you. For me, it's like, I'm on social media as Slep's front, as sort of I go on there's my front. You know, I don't have yeah. any personal profiles or where I'm commenting on the cute stuff or me- yeah. saying anything. I just go on as Slep's front and speaking of the music and artists that I'm collaborating on these interviews with. So yeah, I yeah. totally agree with you. It's like I have never been one for social media. I understand its importance and why it's out there and, and as a marketing tool. But for me, it's like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah, me too. your creative process of writing music from zero minutes to a three to four to five minutes song what is that creative process and how does something come from nothing to that three to four minute song for you well i think it's it's the way your brain works and it's important for me to have an instrument i can write lyrics in my head, but I like to play guitar and my mind is trained enough to hear an interesting riff or an interesting group of notes or an interesting chord. And I know enough to be able to string the one interesting chord with a similar interesting chord. And if you're very lucky, you'll come up with some great lyrics as you're doing that. Because for me, the sound of the lyrics, even if you're singing nonsense lyrics, is what scans well with the music. So it's a process of just getting some words going with the interesting riff that you like. And then if you're lucky, those lyrics just, sometimes they come out fully formed and rhyming and the whole thing, or you'll get a few fragments and work on them later. But it's just getting an interesting riff, an interesting beat, interesting chord changes, and obviously a melody. So you speak of the riff. So am I correct in understanding, and you you mentioned it, that you play the guitar. So are you self-taught or did you go for lessons? I had piano lessons when I was young, back 
uh, when I was whatever, eight or nine, ten, around there. And then there was a guitar lying around at home. Uh, my brother had taken lessons and given up on it. And I picked that up and started strumming around and got a chord book. And then I haven't had any guitar lessons. So I don't know if that's self-taught. I've had musical training as a piano player. I'm sure potentially the, the training as, as a pianist allowed you to understand the chords and the rhythms and the... Yes, I mean, it's completely different to guitar, the piano, but it opened a door that might not not necessarily have been there if you hadn't learnt the piano before picking up that guitar. I think so. You know, it, the, the brain is a wonderful thing and you don't really know, but, you know, the stuff is going in there all the time, what mm -hmm. you're hearing, and it's getting stored somewhere. And basically, if you're lucky, some of that will come out in, an, in a unique form. And if you've got something to say... Hopefully it will come out your mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found yeah. that the the most interesting things come from the unconscious state, rather than later when you try and make it better. You tend to just make it worse. It's yes when you're not thinking about what you're doing, it becomes unique, and and you will say words that you wouldn't in normal conversation because you know me speaking to you, I'm thinking, well, let me make a sensible answer here. Whereas when you trying to create something it doesn't have to be sensible and that's actually what connects with people a unique take on a phrase or a word or a beat something that's new you have to cut through all the noise mm. to somebody and you have to cut through on an emotional basis and on a rhythmic basis and on a word basis and just saying something reversing the way a, a word normally is well people were, you know it's a hard day's night or eight days a week you know yep. it's not, no it's seven days a week no yes. but eight days a week is a great song <laughs> it's like everybody like yeah eight days a week <laughs> So it's that kind of stuff. But what's interesting as well is also not only you mentioned the emotional, the word and the, what was the third thing that you mentioned? There were three things. But it's just the percussive sound, the lyric and connecting on, with yes. people on an emotional basis. They, yes. They've got to like, if you say eight days a week, you realize, man, I have been working harder. You know, <laughs> not, I haven't been working seven days a week. I've been working eight days a week, man. But also it's, it, it's interesting also like pushing uh, away from that thought because often thought creeps in is like other people will start doubting themselves and thinking, oh, is that good enough? Or are, are they talking nonsense? Maybe they must just leave, leave it to seven days a week or, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. a hard day's, hard day's night. So yeah. allowing that thinking mind to be pushed out the window as well to allow those interesting and out their thoughts, out of the box thoughts to just come flowing through. Yes, so that's it's always in the unconscious state. Yes, that the best stuff comes through. If it's too sculpted and too thought out, it doesn't connect emotionally because we get bombarded with thought out stuff twenty four hour seven. You know. So, so we're looking at the unconscious on the unconscious state. Have you ever come up with a song or words or phrases uh, in your sleep? I haven't. No. No. Okay. <laughs> But I believe Keith Richards came up with a satisfaction riff in his sleep. I'm sure. I'm sure that's, there are lots, uh, lots because yeah. it's it's that unconscious that sleep where yes. it gives you ideas and that tapping into that that inert and infinite wisdom that we all have. And yes. there's no judgment or no limitations there. Yeah, it's definitely the best part of us, the unthought out part. Yeah, and the world is just becoming so much 
you know, speaking of social, everything's becoming scripted and everybody's yeah. just sick of it. Oh, yeah. Everybody's scripting and styling themselves 24 7. Yeah, must be a good photo, must be make sense or, or filtered, a, not necessarily only yeah. good, must be filtered. Yeah. And yeah, th- yeah. that's not who they are. The unconscious state is what gets through to people in music. Now, speaking of music, when you first uh, launched or created music with your bands and Big Sky, it was cassettes, it was vinyls, it was CDs. I'm very excited that those are making a comeback. I love yeah. a CD. Um, mm. I'm not sure if you know, but last year, the first time in 21 years, CDs had an increase of sales um, worldwide. I didn't know but that. now we've got these digital platforms. What are your thoughts on the way people are consuming music compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago? Well, it's interesting. On the one side, it's good because you can get through to, for me as an artist, I can get through to people that I wouldn't usually get through to. You know, I can, someone in Sweden can like my song, someone in wherever, you know, the yeah. most remote place, Georgia can like my song, which was impossible before. There's definitely a deeper connection when you're buying an album, a vinyl album, you're looking at the great artwork, you're putting it in your collection, you're taking it out carefully, you're cleaning it, you're putting it on, you're listening to the needle hit the vinyl, the crackling, you hear the great sound. I mean, just sound quality wise, it's so much better than the quality on streaming. I don't think people are ever going to give up the convenience of streaming with having millions of songs in their phones and it connects to their car, connects to the everything in their home. But I think you're going to have, you know, fans of music will go out consciously and buy the artist's vinyl, buy the artist's, artist's merchandise, buy the artist's poster, CD, whatever. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a hybrid system. People won't give up the convenience. I mean, it, it's so much better in your car not to have 30 CDs lying around on the floor. Well, for me. <laughs> you, see, you, you say that and that freaks me out because <laughs> I well, used to put my CDs in like this folder that carefully be put into the CD yes, player. They would I not know. be lying anywhere on the floor. So that's like, ah, you can't do that. <laughs> well, I always found it was really dangerous changing CDs in the car. And then... Yeah. I had a, I got a thing that was like it. It had a CD change in the in the boot of the car. Yes, yes, yes. You put five in there, but um, yeah, the convenience. I mean, I love. I preferred cassettes in the car. I loved cassettes. I don't. You know, what freaked me out about cassettes is when they used to wind. You know, wind yeah, out, yeah. and then you had to oh, yeah. put your finger in the middle to get them wind, oh, yeah, and then they being. No, that for yeah, me, I didn't like head. that. I prefer CDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I hear what you're saying about the convenience of the digital, but don't you agree or don't you think that makes people blasé about music? Because it's not, yeah. it's not about anymore about saving that money, that effort or energy to go to the shop or online, whatever, to purchase it, to wait for it in the post or to drive home with that thing in your hand, opening it. And it's now become like, oh, whatever, you know, whatever. And that for me allows music for you guys to lose some of, you know, there's so much that goes into music. There's the, the writing of the songs, there's the, the melodies, there's the instruments, there's the recording of the songs, the studio time, the photography. That's a lot of energy and effort from your time, from your guys as artists, performing artists time. And now the people on the receiving end, I was like, ah, I'll just fast forward if I want to, if I don't like the song. Yeah, there is. So, you know, you had, you had fans, you had people who bought the CDs, they wrote fan letters. It was a lot more work to be a fan. And now it is a lot more disposable. It's like, yeah, I'll listen to this. I won't. I'll stream that. But the other side is you do get through to people easier. Yeah. You know, before 
there was no chance that my music would ever get through to Eastern Europe. Yeah. Know? Now you can get through to many more people. But if I had to choose between the two systems, I would choose the old system. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> but I still do. I, I've got my Spotify subscription because I teach spinning classes and I can't have an advert coming on during my spinning class. But I still buy yeah. my CDs every month. I put budgets of, you know, whatever. And you can't really get them for the, the people listening overseas in South Africa. They know more CD shops. You can't, they know like HMA, H&M or any of those CD yeah, shops yeah. or Tower Records. But overseas, mm. they still are. So I get mine, I get my CDs from Amazon every yeah, year. Yeah, me too. Every like month, I'll budget for one or two CDs that are on my list, my never-ending list. <laughs> yeah, and I love the artwork, and I mean, I just love the vinyl artwork. But oh, isn't so the vinyl great. artwork the same artwork that would go in the CD, or is it somehow different? Yeah, but it's so bigger. It's oh, it's just bigger. bigger. Yeah, yeah, just better photos, better quality. You can read the lyrics. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> you don't need to take your glasses out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. That's not necessarily uh, your, because every time I ask you this question, the answers would be different. It could be different in five minutes' time, 10 minutes' time, two hours' time, or tomorrow. So, yeah. your top five favorite songs by other artists, what would those be? I think Born to Run by Springsteen. Let's see. I'm a big Stones fan. The album Exile on Main Street track off there any of those tracks maybe ventilated blues um heard it through the grapevine martin marvin gay yeah two more uh let's see all along the watchtower by dylan um something about the band let's see long black veil okay interesting list some of those i haven't heard so i'll add them to my list list to listen okay so tell me about performing live what do you enjoy about that what you experience about it and what's your process around creating a live show well I love the connection between the band members. You know, it's, it's something that you're doing together and you connecting on a metaphysical level and you're also connecting with the audience on a metaphysical level. So you have to get through to them emotionally to give a good show. You have to get your lyric through. You have to, you can see in the audience whether you're connecting with them and you have to connect with your band members. So, I mean, that's just the connection, really, the emotional connection between the audience and you the other people on the stage with you is just what makes it such a great experience. But you speak of that connection, but so I want to dispute that, especially from the audience and yourself's perspective, because mm -hmm. I'm a very much a person who loves going to concerts. I love standing right in front, but what mm. I find is that, and for the people who are listening, I'm with Steve on zoom. I've got my phone up and I'm showing him how everyone in the front or the first five front rows or 10 front rows, I have got their phones up to get the perfect picture, to get the perfect video, to get the perfect shot. Don't you mm -hmm. find that with so many people with their phones up allows for a little less connection and a, a disconnect between yourself and the audience? Doesn't it frustrate you? Because it frustrates me and I'm, I'm amongst them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there was a time when you couldn't even take a camera or yes. a recording device to a concert. I mean, people have given up. Now. I mean, there's no ways you're going to get people to give up their phones. Yeah. So, it's a relatively new thing and it has invaded all of life. I mean, it's whether it's a concert or whether it's people go to a restaurant and look around, there's people looking at their phones, mm -hmm. not talking to each other. You know, they're couples that are both on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> it could be alone. Yeah. So the phone has been this great temptress of everybody. And yes, I do 
think it's you're not in the moment if you're looking at your phone you're not in the moment and you know i'm a relative newcomer to a mobile phone you know i've only had one for i think seven years or something okay. i resisted it but in the end I, it was a losing battle it's like people would have to phone my wife to get hold of me <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i think that is frustrating and uh hopefully if you're really giving a great show that people can't think of their phones they just yep. rung out <laughs> so now the podcast is listened to throughout the world south africa the uk usa australia belgium those are the top five countries that the podcast is listened to as a final message to the listening audience what would you like to say well music is a great thing keep listening to music whatever music just keep listening every day. Do not stop listening to music. It's great for your health. Exactly that. And we dropped the mic with that comment by Mr. Steve Lowe. So this is Celebs Front Barrett Edelstein signing out with Mr. Steve Lowe. Thank you, Steve. 